Thank you for listening to or watching another episode of SNTR Presents. This is going to be about the current season pass model versus the old DLC model. Seeing a lot of threads and posts about people wanting to go back to the old model. If you're listening to this on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or watching on YouTube, you can always catch me live at saynotorage.com. That'll bring you right to my live channel when I'm streaming on Twitch. And this discussion is going to be comprised of a lot of looking back and thinking about all the different things and so don't just run to the comments and say which you prefer because I do want to clarify what I mean there is some confusion surrounding this subject I've seen people say certain things that pretty pretty well indicate they're talking about different DLCs than the ones that actually parallel to the current thing that we're doing right now I would say at this point in time, the season pass model has come a long way as compared to the annual pass model, and prior to the annual pass model, we had a DLC model, okay? A lot of people that have made comparisons and have said certain things have pointed to things like Taken King, Forsaken, and Shadowkeep. You need to understand, those are annual DLC deliverables. Those are not compared to the DLC model that is paralleling the annual pass or season pass model. The actual old DLC model is is House of Wolves, uh, Dark Below, or in the present game, Destiny 2, it would have been the Curse of Osiris and Warmind. So you actually have to parallel the right things. I've seen people make mistakes here, and they're like, oh, we should just get you know things like Forsaken. and It's like, okay, well, Forsaken and Shadowkeep and the Taken King were annual DLC deliverables. They were not meant to be like trickled out as seasonal content. You could even buy passes to get both of Osiris and Warmind. It wasn't called a season pass. I believe it was called... I forget what it was called, actually. Um, so... We have to make sure that we know like what categories we're speaking about. So if you're going to draw parallels, the parallels would be Taken King you could compare to Forsaken. And then Rise of Iron you could compare to Shadowkeep. Those are DLC deliverables near the end of the year. Then if you want to compare the current season pass, you could compare the current season pass to the annual pass with Black Armory, Drifter, and Opulence. Or you can compare all of the season pass, the annual pass, to the DLC delivery of Osiris and Warmind. So... To break this video into three pieces, I want to start by talking about nostalgic delusion. Ooh, hot button word there. Nostalgic delusion. Then I want to say, where is the ideal? And then lastly, I want to talk about who are the most dedicated players? Because a lot of people are going to go back to pre-Forsaken days and say that Bungie was going to try to avoid droughts and they were going to make content for the most dedicated players. Who are the, quote, most dedicated players? Okay, we're going to answer a lot of questions here. So, nostalgic delusion. I believe a lot of this idea about we need to go back to the old DLC model or the old way was better, the new way is not as good, I believe is a form of nostalgic delusion. I believe people are misremembering with a very inaccurate sort of form of nostalgic delusion memory of, oh my gosh, it was so much better before when it wasn't. I don't know if you could go back to House of Wolves or Dark Below or Curse of Osiris or Warmind and even remotely compare those to what we have now with respect to content depth, how long you could play, how much there was to do. There was, there was Those were very, very thin Offerings and a really good a really good way to phrase this in chat is Taken King and Forsaken are expansions and Curse of Osiris and War Minor DLC. That's probably another great helpful way to categorize these things. Whenever we did the old DLC format, 
we had longer droughts, thinner content, and a focus on campaign, and the campaign was basically a one-and-done thing. It didn't have longevity. It didn't give you value weeks, days, or months later. It was kind of a one-and-done thing. I believe what people are doing is they're zeroing in on particular things and ignoring huge glaring flaws in the old DLC format. Something people will commonly point to is vendor updates. That's fine. Vendor updates back then did happen, but you're zeroing in on one thing and ignoring all the other flaws of the old DLC format, how thin it was, how few activities you got, how small the loot pool was. Warmind would be a good example of this. Everyone remembers Warmind as like this amazing time. Most of what Warmind brought to the game were quality of life improvements. The activity, Escalation Protocol, was frustrating at first. People struggled to even get in there. They had to lower the power delta on it because streamers wanted it to be harder after playing it and Bungie listened and then had to walk that back. And then, if you really look at Escalation Protocol... It essentially is not nearly as big and as substantive as other activities have been added recently, like Menagerie or the the Sundial. These are bigger and more substantive pieces of content that have bigger loot pools. There's a bigger loot pool in Sundial. There's a bigger loot pool in Menagerie when compared to the the loot pool and the content and the grind of Escalation Protocol. So even the best DLC in Destiny 2 in people's minds, not expansion, the best DLC, which would be Warmind, Curse was the least favorite, it was not nearly as substantive as what we get now, and also the amount of time you were able to play was only stretched out by the fact that you could only get one weapon a week, and it was a very low drop rate, and it was a static roll, so once you got it, you were kind of done, so they had to keep the drop rates really, really low. And... Warmind and Curse both started with story missions and strikes thing, and people hated that as well. Again, another good point. People are like, where are the new strikes? Where are the new strikes? A a couple of strikes per season or per expansion at most could add one or two weapons of, you know, strike-specific loot, and then they just get thrown into the strike playlist anyway. Those are not substantive value adds. So, the next question I want to ask is, where is the ideal? Because people are going to run to the comments and be like, Lono, you're wrong. This is so thin. This is so boring. Okay, then I want to know, where is the ideal? Where is the best case scenario in your mind? Which DLC or time was the best compared to what we have now? Because anywhere you go in the history of Destiny, I'll even let you go to Rise of Iron. You go to Rise of Iron and say, oh, that was better. You can go ahead. That's not a fair comparison, because Rise of Rise of Iron is more analogous to Shadowkeep and Shadowkeep's bigger and more substantive than Rise of Iron was, but uh, I'll even let you go to Rise of Iron. The subsequent months that followed and the the trickle of content that followed was non-existent. There was nothing after Rise of Iron. Warmind, Osiris, House of Wolves, all of these DLC deliverables lasted for maybe a month and then we had nothing. Nothing for months at a time. Even as big as the Taken King was, a lot of people made it to about a month to a month and a half, and then there was nothing to do. Nothing to follow it up with. No trickle, no quests, no loot pursuits, no new activities. So I'm really genuinely curious, what's this ideal time in Destiny's history that people think exists that is somehow better than what we have now? You can go through all of them. Dark Below, House of Wolves, Curse of Osiris, and Warmind, and none of them compare to the to the player base numbers and the and the rhythm of content that we have right now. 
right now. Even September deliverables like Taken King and Rise of Iron had significant droughts, and those are probably some of the most fond memories that we have. Rise of Iron and Taken King are really fond memories, and they had significant droughts. And the real question you have to ask is, who were the most dedicated players? Because ultimately, that's what Bungie said leading into Forsaken, and that is essentially the issue here. What type of content are they making for what type of particular player? Who are the most dedicated players? This gets misinterpreted into hardcore way too often. I think way too often we have this discussion, people are like, Bungie's ignoring the hardcore player, they said they were going to make content for the hardcore player. No, they said most dedicated players is who they were going to start making content to, they were going to avoid droughts, they were going to have a content trickle. It's clear their attempt to attack droughts and content trickle and to to, to feed the most dedicated players is not really intended for six to eight hour a day players. You're going to get ahead of the rhythm. That's undeniable at this point. It is technologically, I would say, impossible to feed you enough content. You're going to burn through it. If they make it so that it lasts long enough for you, they're going to put everybody else on a treadmill and no one's going to play. Rewind the clock and look at black armory and drifter and opulence the leveling was slow infusion cost was high people felt like it was a leveling treadmill every season and player base numbers dwindled very quickly after every single new dlc was delivered every single time they delivered a new seasonal injection player base numbers would rise and then immediately fall that has not been happening i would say the most dedicated players that are being targeted by the current structure are hobbyists like hobbyist players This is Destiny 2, Destiny as a franchise, is a hobbyist, live service, action MMO. It is a hobbyist, live service, action MMO. I would say the seasonal format is the way forward for that identity to remain intact. If you want a hobbyist, live service, action MMO to continue its life and to maintain that identity, seasonal format is way more in line with that, way more in sync with that than DLC format. DLC format is too punctiliar, it's too one and done, it's too easily dealt with, and then a drought ensues almost immediately for the hardcore player base. The only way they trickled out Curse of Osiris and Warmind was through time-gating stuff, and if you take away the time-gate and you shrink those player pools of the Osiris Forge or the Escalation Protocol uh, pool, if you shrink all those pools and you don't time-gate them, you immediately see that DLC format is significantly thinner and less substantive than what we're getting in this seasonal format. We cannot go backwards. We cannot go backwards. If you want your hobbyist, live service action MMO game to continue and to maintain its identity, we have to continue to give good feedback on the seasonal format, not ask them to jettison the seasonal format and go back to a DLC way of doing things that wasn't working for both D1 or D2. We're going to transition to Q&A. If you're listening to this on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or watching on YouTube, you can always catch me live at saynotorage.com. As always, please like, share, and subscribe. Thank you for listening to or watching another episode of SNTR Presents. This is going to be the question and answer session that followed my talk about the seasonal model versus the DLC model. If you're listening to this on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or watching on YouTube, you can always catch me live at saynotorage.com. It'll bring you right to my live channel whenever I'm streaming. Uh, and I'm going to jump in right into the questions here. Forza says, how long do you think Bungie can hide behind the low $10 entry point as justification for minimal content, all while reaping rewards from Eververse? Personally, prefer Trickle as long as there's substance. 
Well, I mean, th- this question is just really, really charged with a lot of assertions. I mean, your your question is 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 asserting things more than it's asking things. You're saying that it's minimal content. You're saying that the ten dollars is a justification of minimal content. Uh, you know, you're saying there's no substance. You're saying they're reaping the rewards from Eververse. There's this, there's a ton of there's a ton of assertions in here. Um, you're, you're, I, I would say you're allowed to have the opinion that like this content's not substantive enough, but I think it's difficult to look at what we got in Season of Dawn and say that it needs to the ten dollars is a justification of it being minimal. I, I, I don't know how to phrase this. If you go into a restaurant and you order food and you want it to come out in five minutes, what, what they can bring out in that five minute window is going to have a natural ceiling on how substantive and how good it is. You're not going to get a perfect steak dinner in five minutes. You're going to get an appetizer. Do you see what I'm saying? So the rhythm of delivery here, I think, places a natural ceiling on the content. It's not that Bungie's like holding back and being like, well, don't give them that much, you know, and then being like, well, it's only $10. I, I don't, I, I think there's a, it's a both and. Yes, it's only $10 and it's not super substantive, but that's sort of the nature of content that's being delivered every three months. I, you're not going to get Forsaken every three months. You simply aren't. So if you compare, if we just compare Forsaken Shadowkeep size stuff to what we're getting in something like Season of Dawn, I, I don't know. I, I feel like you're getting a really good amount for how quickly it comes out. You wait an entire year for Forsaken. You waited three months for Season of Dawn. Do you see the difference? You wait a whole year for Shadowkeep and you wait a fourth of that amount of time for Season of Dawn. So your expectations have to be reasonable. It's like, if I go into a place where it takes an hour, like, that Giordano's is known for it taking almost 45 minutes for a deep dish pizza to come out. 45 minutes. If I go into Giordano's and I'm like, okay, it's 45 minutes, I gotta wait that amount of time. If I wanna only wait 10 minutes, a fourth of that time, 11 minutes or something like that, I would expect to get less substance than a giant deep dish pizza because I'm waiting one-fourth of the time. So the amount of time we wait for Season of Dawn or the next season or the next season, it's we're, it, it, we're waiting way less time. You wait a year for Taken King. You wait a year for Forsaken. And, and, that's, and that's the best we're getting every year, right? Those are pretty substantive deliverables. And then you wait three months and boom, Season of Dawn hits, loot pool, uh, con- uh, a season pass, an artifact. You've got exotics. You've got ornaments. You've got armor sets. You have a piece of content that's new. You had a couple of campaign missions. You've got dialogue. Uh, it, you know what I'm, I don't know. I just feel like a lot of this is just natural to what they're attempting to do. You know, it's it's and not to mention Taken King doesn't last the year. Uh, yeah, that's another thing. Like it's like you wait a year for Shadowkeep and Shadowkeep lasts roughly three months you wait three months for you wait three months for uh you know Season of Dawn and they structure it to last roughly three months so I just I I don't know what people expect bring back Activision are you freaking kidding me what's that gonna do Season of Dawn is better than Black Armory now, now there was more loot in Black Armory, but as far as substance of the content, dude, I'll take Sundial over those forges any day. 
those forges were nothing. It was in a, it was a room, some ads, throw a ball, kill a boss. At least the sundials got mechanics and movement, and your and it's it's slightly random. And I, I don't know, and it's way more rewarding and structured way better than Ada's frames. I, you're crazy. You want to bring back Activision? There was no. Uh, there was no measurable difference. Black Army had a raid layer, to be fair. Well, yeah, but Scourge raids get 10% of the engagement of the community anyway. Most of the people buying those seasons were not playing Scourge. Scourge wasn't landing on most of the player base. So, I, going back to Activision isn't going to do anything for us. It's not going to do it. It's not going to do a thing. Uh, I don't know. And the 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 focus the focus on Eververse argument is bankrupt too. Anytime anybody tries to tell you that Bungie's focusing more now on Eververse than ever before, just take them to the collection screen. I'm gonna do this every time it comes up. Take them to the collection screen and go to seasons one through six. Show them how many ghosts they used to create, and then go to season nine. It's it, it it's a joke. They used to create way more items for the Eververse. Sure, they were they were reskinning a lot of it and putting a lot of it in those engrams because they knew you were going to be getting so much of it, so they increased quantity to make sure you didn't get all the dope items too fast. But the number of items that they're adding to Eververse is is a joke in comparison to what they used to add whenever they were under Activision. They're they're not focusing more on the Eververse. They're not putting more into the Eververse. They're arguably putting less. And it's more focused, sure, and it's exotics, and yes, they're trying to make money because it's a free-to-play game, but like, I, you don't, we, we do not want to go back to those days. No way. And again, back to Forza's question, I think the substance of what we get in this season and the seasons beyond is more indicative of how much time they have to make it, more so than an indication that like Bungie's holding back and not giving us good stuff. And then being like, well, it's only ten dollars, so it could be, it could be, it can be thin and uh, and not substantive. Uh, Gab Gab Med Black. Um, how about a Warmind style DLC, but with content over time, such as an exotic quest story and gear? Homie, they did this. I just think I just don't think people remember. They did this in Warmind and in Curse. They time-gated stuff so that you had to come back each week for the most poultry loot offering ever. You you remember? What were we doing in Warmind? We <laughs> we had a raid layer with two guns, whew, and then an armor set that was very much a reskin, and then you had Escalation Protocol that did a gun a week, and it was three guns. And then the fourth gun, the pistol, was like, I think you got that from like a campaign mission or something. They basically took a teeny tiny loot pool and they stretched it out over over three to four weeks. And, and then they had and then they did they did have the sleeper. People got the sleeper day one. People had the sleeper the first day of Warmind. It, it there was not it was nothing. People remember Warmind fondly because they brought a lot of power, they brought catalysts, they updated a lot of things, they made us faster and stronger, they did a lot of things in Warmind that made us think fondly of it because it made the game feel better. And then in Forsaken they, they uprooted all of it. No more double primary, random rolls, like, you know, they really uh, they really brought it forward. But everything was time-gated in Warmind. And so if you take everything that was time-gated in Warmind and you shrink it down, and then you take everything that's time-gated in Season of Dawn and you shrink it down, Season of Dawn is arguably bigger and more substantive than Warmind. And you could be like, oh, well, we got Mars and some strikes. At the end of the day, what does that really do for you, though? What does Mars do for you? It's just a patrol area with, what, two lost sectors? I, I don't, 
and a couple of strikes like I, and then strikes don't end up doing that much anyway because you play them a couple of times and then they don't even they don't even they didn't even do they, even if they do nightfall specific loot that's like a couple that's like one or that's like one gun per nightfall sleeper was time gated no somebody had sleeper the first day or maybe the first maybe the first day the quest opened maybe they time gated the quest but as soon as we could work on sleeper people got it that day i remember i remember being irritated by that i was like it's the sleeper and you didn't stretch this out t-rex had it within within a couple of hours i remember polaris lance was time gated that's right i remember being like wait you guys you guys they gave time gated polaris lance but not the sleeper the sleeper deserved better than that mccheshire do you think there was too much content up front this season could bungie have have the obelisk weapons and added them at a later date I, this is i said this this morning i thought i think you were here I, I literally said they should have taken half of the weapons and and launched them in january so an obelisk that had like the auto rifle and the sidearm i was like it should have just been the auto rifle and then you drop you drop new weapons in january people are like oh that wouldn't have been good lono okay i mean maybe you weren't here okay well then great minds think alike i said that this morning I was like, why wouldn't you just one one Saint 14 weapon per obelisk in December and then do another one in January? And people were like, that would have been terrible. Okay, I guess you could have done another one. I mean, I guess they could have done three weapons per obelisk and they could have the third one launch in January. And your question, is there too much content up front? Listen, I got news for you. That's not going away. That's not going away. The season pass is also front heavy. It's so front heavy. They want the lion's sh- look. The lion's share of the community is going to probably spend their first month to two months, a good chunk of the season. They're going to spend getting to about fifty, right? And that's where the bulk of all the stuff is on the season pass. That's where the bulk of all the stuff is on the calendar, and that's exactly what they want. Because player player behavior patterns is probably is probably a, a huge role here. Because people play more in that first month and. If they are, uh, if they are, you know, if they are giving you a ton up front, you're going to remember that fondly, you know, $10. I got a bunch of stuff. It was really enjoyable for about a month to two months. And then you maybe cruise or disengage for the last month. And then you come back to do it again the next time. Um, I would, I would largely say that that's going to be where they land. Um, every season. Because that's just a really good memory for most of the player base. It, Ten bucks, and then that first month is just—it's just raining stuff on you, and then it slows down. This is why I think this is why the hardcore players are are doing that. Oh, this is awesome! This is so much. Everybody was saying it for Season of Dawn. Everyone's like, "Dude, this is way more than we expected." I was saying it, and uh paul was saying it a lot of the people that were like oh man people better be ready it's not going to be that thin that first month everyone was like this is way more than we expected that was the general narrative that i was hearing from folks but because it's front heavy a month in and you're like well i i I don't have anything to do and i think that that's kind of by design and that's why i'm not going to get too upset about it because it's just they can only create so much content in a given amount of time anyway so what 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 do we expect every three months if you expect forsaken every three months you're not going to get it if you expect shadow keep or rise of iron every three months you're not going to get it what's a step down from shadow keep and rise of iron i would say season of dawn i would say black armory we didn't get a raid okay i i don't think we can expect a raid every season either i i think that's unreasonable 
I think Raid Rhythm has proven that if they don't have extra bandwidth, you're going to get about one raid a year. Forza. Why can't Bungie commit to fixing Crucible uh, and then monetizing it with Crucible Season Pass? That would satisfy both parties. I, you can't, I, monetizing PvP doesn't work. So many companies have proven this. If you monetize, if you monetize PvP, you fracture the player base. Player base numbers are already bad. The, the, the Crucible Hopper is a fractured freaking mess. I don't know what Bungie's thinking here. They know every season the numbers are going to go down, and there are, there are literally seven hoppers, and there's eight when Iron Banner's here. I, I don't understand what, what they're thinking here. They know every season the numbers go up, and then they go down. And while those numbers are going down, you have seven hoppers to choose from. And then when Iron Banner rolls in, there's eight. You are slicing the, play, the player base razor thin. And matchmaking then takes longer. You're matching people out of your region. It's just it, like... I'm not really sure what their thought process is there. I thought the whole movement into Shadowkeep was uh, the whole movement into Shadowkeep was that you would go into two. They were supposed to have two and not seven. Because there's the six big ones, then there's Classic Mix, that's seven, and then Iron Banner's eight. It's like, what on earth? I It's too many. It, I got the impression going into Shadowkeep, they were going to really trim it all down. No, it's not nine because one's private uh, private matches. People aren't really diving into private matches. So you got your six big ones here up top. Then you got seven, classic. And then you got eight with Iron Banner. So when Iron Banner's not here, there's like seven. There's seven hoppers. So it felt to me like when we were going into Shadowkeep, we were going to have two. Or maybe four. But not seven. It's, it's insane. It's so high. I would say two for casual, two for comp. You know, I would be it would have been the way to do it i don't know why there's so many it's just a lot nine including freelance what do you mean nine including freelance elimination what can you designate that once you click on it are there actually more than what i'm seeing here i'm not seeing i'm not seeing freelance if i click this can i change it to freelance i'm not i don't understand it's underneath survival Oh my gosh, you're right. I didn't even see that. Oh, it's so cluttered. I didn't even see. <laughs> Woo! Yep, that is just unbelievable. I, that's too many. That's unbel. That's so. It. That's so rough, man. I just and as the player base numbers go down, that just compounds itself. Your matchmaking times go up. Players get frustrated. Players leave. That's just ridiculous. I. I that's just is so unnecessary. I. I'm not sure what they were thinking again and 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 what you're saying monetizing crucible i just i don't think you can do that it doesn't work it fragments the player base more than it already is ginger 300 do you think people wanting season based on vendor refreshes should be careful to uh for what they wish for as much as i want vendors to get some of the love that's needed there's um but to dedicate a season to it i think would be risky well and this is where i think again people are going through like a nostalgic delusion they misremember so they'll reference times like Rise of Iron, where there was a vendor refresh. And to be fair, Rise of Iron was meant to be like a yearly expansion, not a seasonal addition to the game, because so, we waited a year for it. Okay, Remember, you waited a year for Rise of Iron. And so a lot of people during Shadowkeep were like, well, we waited a year, we should get a vendor refresh. To be fair, if you remember the vendor refresh, most of the weapons were garbage. We've had this discussion before. If you went into dead orbit or new vanguard or future war cults inventory back then there was maybe one weapon per 
you know vendor that was worth looking at and chasing them was a joke like rolling them over in their rank and getting like one chance a week maybe two chances a week to to get maybe get the gun that you want and then if you get the gun that you want maybe get the roll that you want and most of the guns nobody cared about they had a high rate of fire hand cannon at new new monarchy that nobody wanted they had um they had auto rifles that nobody wanted they had i they had a, they had snipers so you had like the wormwood you had the there was a fusion as well at future workout that was pretty good and then there was the rocket launcher from Dead Orbit. And then again, people misremember. People remember when Bungie rotated the rolls in the tower. Well then sure, you could go looking for a particular gun each week, but even still, most of the guns at most of the vendors were not worth chasing. So do you want them to fill vendors with a bunch of junk, or would you rather them have filled the game with cool weapons like we got at Saint-14 with an intentional grind? I... It, to me, I just feel like the, the 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 choice is so painfully obvious. Do you want weapons like this that are cool? They're cool looking. They're handle. They they their handling is is fun. They feel nice. Then they've also got new perks. Or do you want a bunch of trash? You know? Oh well, they added five weapons per vendor. Nice, fifteen new weapons in the tower. Cool. How many are worth getting? Ah, uh, two or three. So they just wasted a bunch of time on twelve weapons that just are just nobody cares about their trash they're not good they don't have good roles they're not good archetypes they're not the meta whatever so i i don't know i would rather have i would rather have a focus loot pool that's awesome i'm not saying they shouldn't update the vendors okay people might be misunderstanding my point they should update the vendors but people zero in people zero in on the vendors and then they make this argument of oh it used to be so much better the DLC format was so better. At least they updated the vendors. And I'm just like, I don't understand what you're talking about. I, it, 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 like, why act like the weapons would be trash if they just did it better? Well, because homie, that's what people reference. People reference a time when they updated vendors and most of the weapons were trash. So you can't even highlight that as a value point. I'm not saying they shouldn't update the vendors. They should, but they should do it in a way that's sensible, not just like, well, update the vendors or. Or what people are presently doing is they're saying they zero in on the vendor refresh and they act like, well, that made it so much better. And it's like, okay, but the old format was terrible. You can't ignore all the glaring flaws and the droughts and the lack of things to do in Warmind and Curse of Osiris and just highlight the vendor refresh. You cherry picking one thing and acting like, well, they got that. That's a vacancy in the new format. Therefore, new format sucks. And it's just like, okay, but if you're really going to do a pros and cons assessment here, th- these the, the season of dawn kicks the snot out of those other out of those DLCs. It, it's not even a contest. It's not even a contest. Mars is the only thing you're going to be able to really throw around and be like, look at how much we got. You got tons of campaign missions that we never go back to. You got Escalation Protocol that was one area with the same mechanic every time and a three and three different bosses. And then you got three guns in that in that loot pool. The loot pool was thinner. The activities were shorter and, and smaller in scope, and and the content was basically time gated to keep it going. Because if not, you could have just grinded EP the first two weeks and gotten everything. So they time-gated it. It was five bosses. 
How? There's only three guns. Did they rotate the bosses with the... Oh, that's right. They rotated the bosses with the armor. I'm sorry. It was five bosses. And the bosses related to the armor. And the armor was also time-gated. They did the same dadgum thing in Warmind that they did in Curse of Osiris. They time-gated the earn rate. So it took you five weeks if you wanted to get all the pieces. Come on. Do you... Do you, do you really want to go back to that? Like, a piece of content that's so thin that they're like, we have to time gate the armor earn rate and link it to five bosses? The bosses were pretty good. I, I, I will say that. Some of the mechanics in those boss fights were pretty cool. Like the guy who gets healed by the thrall. I always thought that was pretty fun. It was frustrating to play with randoms. But they did have some pretty decent mechanics in those fights. Um, So, I'm not acting like Warmind was terrible, but to act like that was better, I think people are forgetting how it was really thin, it was basically centered around one activity with a very thin loot pool, and when you were done with that, there was nothing else to do, and there was no updates, there was no trickle, there was no nothing. So the old DLC model being praised because of vendor refresh is a mistake. So people zero in on it, and they're like, oh, we, we should go back to that. And my point in discounting that is not to say that that I don't want a vendor refresh now. I do want a vendor refresh now, but I don't think that's like the lack of vendor refresh is not an indictment of the seasonal content. Does that make sense? No seasonal, re- no, no vendor refresh? Oh, come on. Let's go back to the DLC model. Whoa, whoa, no, no, no. Seasonal format's better, man. It lands more on the rhythm of the player base. People seem to be playing more. The player base numbers seem to be way more healthy since Shadowkeep. No, we don't need to go back to the DLC format. Do we want vendor refreshes? Sure, and Bungie should figure out a way to do that. I have an entire talk about how the vendors should look like obelisks. That way you could just update the vendors every season with a couple of frames and some cool ornaments and some cool things to grind for when you hit rank 25, 50, 75, whatever you got to give a reason to grind crucible you got to give a reason to grind vanguard stuff and i think making the the vendors look like the obelisks would be the ticket i can't point to one system and say the whole model was better sure yeah exactly that's my point and that's why i think people miss the mark sometimes it's like they zero in on one thing and like well i missed this one thing therefore this this structure sucks and it's like well i mean i come on we want to see vendor refreshes but man oh man we do not want to go back to the stone ages where there was months of nothing to do now you have to wait like you you know you got a couple of weeks and then there's something new to do and and some of that is because you play so much like playing like crazy all of december for four weeks I don't think that's an indictment of rhythm of season pass being too thin. You play more than literally everyone. So regardless of the model of delivery, you're going to get you're going to get done faster than everybody in the game. I am shift. Time-gated content versus full release. What do you think is better and why? This is going to come back to things that people feel like are paternalistic and controlling and they don't like it, but I believe it's a necessary it's a necessary barrier. If you don't protect players from themselves, players will harm their own experience. The guy from Diablo's Loot 2.0 system talked about this when he was talking about Anthem. If people can run in a five-foot circle and get everything in the game, all the great loot, all the great XP earn rates because of some glitch or some exploit or some discovery, and they run around in a five-foot circle, they will run around in a five-foot circle. And if you don't time-gate anything, if you don't trickle anything out, people will go crazy, burn through everything, and they're their own worst enemy. So time gating is necessary. I mean, just look at what happened this season. Leveling for obelisks is is not a fast endeavor. It is not. The hours that we had to put in those first couple of weeks, you know, two or three weeks to get all those leveled, and then grinding for god rolls, getting to level 92 on the season pass, that represents an unbelievable amount of hours. Okay? 
So even with a trickle, we still do it. We still do it. Even with a trickle, even with things being time-gated and held on the calendar till a certain date, we still get to a point where we're like, I'm done with everything. What do you got? What, what's next? <laughs> what's next, Budgie? I did everything. So it, time-gating is just a, ne- is a necessary barrier for players hurting their own experience by just never, ever stopping until they're done with everything. I'm only level 54 in the season pass. I only need three more triumphs for savior title. How is that playing too much? If you're only level 54 in the season pass, you're not playing too much. I'm talking about people that have all four obelisks maxed. They're way over 100 on the season pass. They have 92 on the season pass. They use that 92 to get the extra perks. They use those extra perks to grind for god rolls in the sundial. You're not there. If you're at level 54 in the season pass, I, I didn't say anything to indicate you've been playing too much. If you're focusing on a savior title and you're almost done, when you're done, you can you can hit 100 on the season pass and then you can start grinding for god rolls. And you're going to be doing that in February, which is the last month of the season, which that's pretty good pacing, right? If you go into February, if you, if you play the next couple of weeks and you hit a hundred on the season pass and you spend all of February going for God rolls and sundial, I would say that's pretty good pacing. As you go into the last month of the season, you start focusing on really getting the loot that you want before the activity expires. I don't know. That kind of seems on the money to me. For a lot of us right now, we have two months of drought. Wouldn't call a different uh, colored scion boss and a place to, to donate fractaline just because it's actual kind of right. But that's if if you're experiencing a two month drought, you're anomalous, and Bungie can't create enough content for you anyway. So it's a moot point. It's a moot point. If you play like crazy in December and you feel like January and February are a drought for you, you are anomalous. You're not normative. You don't play like the rest of the player base, and therefore Bungie cannot create content for your player habits. You cannot expect to play like that every month. It's just unreasonable. There are technological and bandwidth, there are real world restrictions on them making enough content for you. It just simply isn't possible. We get more content and more things to do now every three months than we ever have in the history of the game. You're just not remembering. It's a self-imposed drought. Exactly. You're not remembering. Rise of Iron and Taken King, about a month in, people were like, well, I'm kind of done. What do I do now? Nothing. There's nothing for you after those DLCs. Those Those were annual expansions, and a month in, people were done. People were done. We don't get more content now. Hard disagree. I don't know if you can say I don't know if you can I don't know if you can if you take Season of Dawn and compare it to Warmind or Osiris I don't think you can claim we got more content back then maybe House of Wolves maybe maybe if you compare the actual content loop and the and the and the and the and the uh, the loot inside of it Escalation Protocol is not as substantive and doesn't have as much loot as Sundial. It doesn't. Like I, I don't know. Dawning is just uh, TOO with random roll. Curse of Osiris random rolls. No, that's not true. No, Curse of Osiris didn't have a central activity. Curse of Osiris, you would grind the forge for weapons by running strikes and content that you already had. That's false. We had a brand new piece of content a new experience it's it's another menagerie and you can go grind menagerie for a bunch of weapons and you can get a ridiculous turnover of weapons they're not time gated they're, they're not time gated 
And if you want to say we got more in the DLC content, you can't count campaign missions that you play once. I don't, I don't, I don't understand. Curse had a raid at least. Okay, Curse of Osiris had Eater of Worlds and it had two guns in it. I just, I'm telling you, I, I don't think, I, I, I don't, I, there's no way you can think that that was better. If you're purely making a quantitative argument, even then I think it's hard because the Forge did have a lot of weapons, but there was no content. You just ran strikes and public events. Imagine if Dawning didn't have random roles. Well, I've said that before, T-Funk. I think Curse of Osiris would probably be praised more than Warmind if it had random rolls. Because Warmind, Escalation Protocol was thin. It only had three guns. And the Forge had way more guns. And if all those guns would have had random rolls, people would have had more time. It would have taken them longer to get them all. But the means by which you would have gotten those random rolls was literally not new content. It was running strikes that we had already had. There was no new content loop. So I agree with you. Random rolls would have really changed the balance of power back then. Curse would have probably been more praised because people would have been like, there's a lot, you know, there's a lot going on. So I would would definitely say that that makes it unfair because Curse, it was like, you got it and you're done. And if we had static rolls right now, that would make it pretty lame too, right? You'd get one gun from Sundial, you'd be done. And... To be fair, the structure of Sundial is literally built around random rolls. Grabbing four of the same weapon at the end is automatically built around random rolls. You wouldn't do that with a static roll system. So, I, you know, we sat in a strike, gamut, PvP, Curse of Cyrus, now we sit in Lost Sectors. Yeah, but that's self-imposed. You don't have to do that. You could complete a significant number of the bounties by running Sundial, and we don't do it because it's not as effective. That's a choice. It was a requirement for, for the Forge weapons and Curse. It was a requirement. You didn't have a choice. You have a choice now. You're like, yeah, it's faster in a lost sector. Yeah, that's your that's that's your choice. You could do it elsewhere. I get a lot of my bounties done in strikes. Yeah, and some people are like, I don't want to run strikes. Well, you can do it in a public space. You can do it in a uh, lost sector. You could do it in the sundial. You know. Side quest. I think you have to look between the lines a bit more when it comes to people articulating their preference of the old DLC model. Do you think what people crave about the model is its focus on campaign-like content and narratives? Uh, you have to admit that the campaign layer is a piece Destiny has been missing since Forsaken, mostly for the sake of hobbyist grinds. Right, and I think that was the right call. I think they were spending they were spending a, an inordinate amount of time on content that they got no capital out of. It just... it. They, how much time was spent on strikes no I'm sorry not strikes how much time was spent on campaign and dialogue and cutscenes and, and and big fights that we did nothing with we did nothing with and some of that's Bungie's fault like the Baron fights those adventures they, those should have been a, a form of content loop that should have been a rotating content loop every week to grind them for weapons I don't know that was such an easy easy call I should have been able to grind the, what was his name? The Mad Bomber. I should have been able to grind him whenever he came up for his week. I should have been able to grind his adventure for a really cool grenade launcher. And the sniper guy could have had a sniper. And the, the, uh, shoot, the hangman could have had a sword. Like, that's on Bungie. But at the same time, if you discount the Barons, a lot of the campaign missions are a total waste of development time. I'm sorry they are. We play them once and they're done. I had said for a really long time, every single campaign should be nothing, but it should just be comprised of strikes. 
it should literally be oh we got five campaign missions for you sweet that means five new strikes that means five new boss fights and five new strike specific weapons but instead they didn't do that they would do these little piddly strike missions where you'd go through places and walk through and it's like what is this why are we spending development time on this it gets played once and not only is it played once you play it so fast you don't even remember it I go back and I ran some of those missions again for that one year at Opulence. I was like, I don't remember any of this. Like, because you just run through it to get it done. And because they require you to do it on all three characters, they naturally make the campaign shorter and thin because they know you're going to run it three times. They don't want it to be arduous and long. Baron fight should be in a playlist. 100%. That should have been a grind. The Baron fights are some of the best boss fights in all of Destiny, and they got relegated to adventures that show up every, what, six weeks? If it's the if it's the if it's the the flashpoint, now that's a logistical mistake, specific to Forsaken. But if you look at Curse of Osiris, if you look at Warmind, um, even if you look at Forsaken, so much of the story missions, Shadowkeep too, so much of the story missions just feel like a waste. Why are we even doing this? It's so over and done with. And I get what you're saying. You're, what what SideQuest is highlighting is a lot of the people maybe missed the old DLC model because they really liked that. They liked coming back after a couple of months and being like, oh, I got all this story stuff to work through. Ultimately, the reason they're not feeding that sentimentality is because that's not the lion's share of sentimentality and that's not really part and parcel to the identity of Destiny. This is not a campaign-driven de- game. This ain't Halo. This ain't Tomb Raider where they launch a story DLC every couple of months. This is a, as I said in my talk, this is a live service hobbyist action MMO. And for that identity to be maintained and expanded upon, they have to stop focusing on story missions that are one-off. That doesn't mean they can't give us story missions. They did this time. I thought the Saint missions were awesome. You know, it's a lore-driven game though. Ah, I don't know if you can claim that. I love the lore well-written, gifted writers, so cool, but it's not a lore-driven game. D1, the lore was on another website. At least this time around, there's lore on weapons and lore cards and stuff, but by and large, that's not a huge focus of the game grind. There's lore on the guns, and we got all those lore cards when we were running the, uh, you know, quarters of time. It's a well-made point. It's a well-made point. I think the absence of campaign is driving people away, but I ultimately think that's okay because that's not really the target. The target is people that want to play this game week to week, and most of the people that want to play the game week to week are not missing the campaign. They may miss it initially. And be like, oh, I kind of miss when we would have a whole new campaign and cutscenes and all this stuff, and I kind of miss that. And then three weeks later, they're probably not even freaking thinking about it because they're in the grind. They're doing what we've always done. They move past the campaign, and they just start grinding. And that's generally, I think, the target audience of the content is hobbyist players that want to clock in a couple hours a night or a couple hours a week or multiple hours a night or a week. Um, Eugene says there is quanti- uh, quantitatively, quantitatively no actual ca- content drought right now. If you're experiencing a content drought, it isn't because there's a lack of content. It's because you either blew through what it, what there is or you don't like the content. Nothing wrong with either of those, but at least frame your criticism appropriately. I think that's what I've been trying to get at is I've summarized what Eugene just said by saying if you play like crazy the first month, that's not an indictment of the content, nor is that an indictment of the structure, the seasonal pass structure. 
you played like crazy. I got news for you. Your player habits landing on the old DLC model, you would do the exact same thing. The only difference is what you would actually get. So instead of getting what we got, which was sure, it was a lot of bounty grinding for the obelisks, and it was a couple season pa- it was a couple campaign missions, and then it was grinding for god rolls. Okay, so you're not doing that, but your time would have been comprised of a really short campaign, couple hours maybe, campaign missions that you don't go back and replay, and you would play like crazy, grind through all the new stuff, and then you'd be saying the same thing. The difference is and this is why the player base numbers have been so strong since Shadowkeep. The difference is, you're doing the same thing, hitting the same content drought, and everybody else isn't. That's the difference. Back in Osiris and Warmind, almost all of us would hit that drought. Because you'd bl- the story mission doesn't take that long. I mean, first week, everybody, everybody, most of the players, even the casual players, burn through the story. And then everything else was just time-gated. So, after a month, unless you are a like insanely casual player after a month or five weeks of Warmind and Osiris, you were basically done. It wasn't that hard to get all the weapons. It really wasn't. Escalation Protocol, maybe, but the five weeks was mainly for the armor. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I think that your habits are probably a constant and unchanging. And if we take your habits and we throw them at Osiris and we throw them at Warmind or we throw them at Season of Dawn, the same dadgum thing is going to happen every time. You're going to get a month in and be like, I'm done. Where's the rest? I just, I don't, I I just, I I don't think, I don't think they're ever going to be able to hit that, that, that rhythm that you play at. It just isn't possible. I don't know how anybody could expect it to be possible. If you're playing six hours a day, that's just unbelievable. Like, play a solo player game like that. Do it. Do it. Play The Witcher 3 or Assassin's Creed Odyssey. Some of the most substantive games that you can play. Some of the biggest and most expansive single players you can play. And play them for six to eight hours a day. Do it. Let's just keep it at six. You want to keep it at six? Six hours a day. Let's just keep it at six. And you do that for an entire month. That's 180 hours. You just played through The Witcher 3 and Assassin's Creed Odyssey like one and a half times. (laughs) You're done. You're done after a month. Even at those those player-based averages, six hours a day, at six hours a day, even The Witcher 3 can't keep you occupied for more than a month. You're done. Witcher 3 is massive, 200 hours at least. Okay, but 180 hours. Okay, maybe The Witcher 3, maybe I overstated it. Maybe it's not Maybe it's not one and a half times. 200 hours is like a completionist playthrough. I'm pretty sure most playthroughs of The Witcher are right around 100 hours, right? Unless you're doing literally everything, including DLC. Even something as substantive as Witcher and Assassin's Creed Odyssey, if you're clocking in six hours a day, a month later, you are done. 180 hours you've got to zoom out and see just how absurd that is that's why that's why streamers are some of the worst culprits they don't realize they don't realize that December they clocked in probably 150 to 200 hours of destiny easily not only that their 100 to 150 hours 200 hours whatever is more efficient than everybody else's because they know the best places to go they know the best places to do the bounties and they're, bl- they're blitzing it they're blitzing it 
So it's just like, I, I just, it's like you are literally, you, you, if you threw those amount of hours at some of the biggest games you could play right now, those games don't stand a chance. You're done in a month. You're going to hit the same thing you're hitting now, right? Like, oh, it's a month in, I'm done. It's a month in. I, you know, I, pl- I played six hours a day in Assassin's Creed Odyssey, 180 hours. Man, that was satisfying. You know, 200 hours in December, I don't stream and I've clocked more than that. Yeah, it's just, you're, you're, they're, they're not live service games. <laughs> but don't you hear, don't you hear what I'm saying though? Yeah, they're not live service games. Exactly. They're considered some of the most substantive, long lasting games you can play right now. And you will literally be done with them in a month of that playstyle. That's what I'm trying to give you a parallel to. I'm trying to make you see that. Think of how big Assassin's Creed Odyssey and The Witcher are, okay? They're massive, and it's your current... If, if you're playing six hours a day, you basically played through the ent- every nook, nook and cranny of The Witcher 3. You played through every nook and cranny in, in, in December. And you did it in a game that isn't the size of that. The world size isn't that big. There's no questing. There's no side questing. And you, and you put in that many hours. <laughs> That's cra- that's crazy. That's so many hours. It, it's it's I don't know. I don't think it, it's not sustainable. It, I don't understand how how you could think that that you're you're going to. And this is just where people. I'm never going to tell you how to play, but you have to own, right? You have to own how much you're playing, and see that if you put in close to 200 hours in a month you're going to get to a a self-imposed drought, which then means you just are going to have to be like, okay, I'm just going to have to wait for whatever's next. But that's not what people do. People clock in 150 to 200 hours in December. They turn around and they're like, this new content rhythm sucks, man. What is this? It's like, wait a minute, wait a minute. Hang on. Hold on. Hold, hold, hold. Hold the phone. You spent $10 and you played what is equal to the amount of hours of The Witcher 3, roughly, which is a, a massively successful, well-praised game that's a full-price game, and you spent 10 bucks and you played close to 200 hours, and there's a, pr- there's, there's a problem with the content. It's, listen, it's kind of delusional. It's like, what in the world? You wouldn't even be able to say that. You wouldn't even be able to say you're out of things to do if you hadn't put in an amazing amount of hours. And so the, the transmission of value is insane to me. It's insane. How many games can you spend 10 bucks and clock in 150 to 200 hours in a month and be like, I've kind of got to the end. It, it just, I, <laughs> it's, 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 it's crazy. You know, now, if you don't like the content, if you're like, well, the guns suck and Sundial sucks, to a certain extent, I don't know if you like Destiny, because Sundial is just more Destiny. The guns are good, and they look pretty awesome, and they're just more Destiny. For $10, we, we got more Destiny. I, 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 I don't know. J. Christ. Do you think if players knew that they could get the DLC size content drop every four months, if we move to a subscription, would they go for it? I don't know, man. I don't know if we, if you can, if we, you're ever gonna get. Yeah, I don't know if you're ever gonna get console players to accept a subscription fee because console players are like, I pay for my internet and I pay for Xbox Live and I paid for your game. 
I'm not giving you any more money. <laughs> I'm not paying a monthly subscription fee. <laughs> I just don't think you're ever going to get that off the ground on, on console. Because right now, we kind of have a subscription fee. It's pretty low. Every three months, you spend 10 bucks. The problem with the subscription fee is, if you choose to not pay it, you can't even play. If you skip Season of Dawn, that's fine. You can keep playing Destiny. Right? We have we have what is essentially a subscription fee, but you're not gated from playing the entire game of Destiny if you don't buy a season, you know, a $10 season. So I don't think they would ever get that off the ground. I think people would, would, would largely reject that idea of, now wait a minute, now hang on a minute. I bought Destiny and I bought all your stuff, but now if I don't do this subscription fee, I can't play your game. And to be fair, to be fair, Destiny's been out for five years and I don't think you're going to suddenly inject that into the game. It would be really weird midstream to do that. They've they've come up with a system of if you're going to continue to play Destiny five years into its life, you're essentially paying a subscription fee. Essentially. But it doesn't gate you out. If you skip Season of Dawn and a month in, you're like, yeah, I'll buy it. You you can play that entire time. It doesn't like keep you out. So I don't think, I don't think they would get away with it. T-Funk. You mentioned that the story was one and done and the thin loot pool, but how can you argue this? The Saint story is one and done and Eris is one and done except for a new weekly powerful. Yeah, thank you for agreeing with me that we have close to similar substance of content to Warmind and Osiris, which subsequently means we shouldn't go back to that model. Like, they focus less on story, but as you're saying, the stories are one and done and shouldn't be the central focus of seasonal content. The Osiris, I'm sorry, the, 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 the Saint missions were very, very small. We didn't have any Panopti-sized fights or anything like that. But again, you're getting at the point of the issue that that old content gave you gave you missions that were then one and done and not, 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 not an enduring value point. We had some new subs come in. Muzar with the brand new Prime sub and Sir Alamer. Thank you so much, guys, for those new subs. Enjoy your dope badge, emotes, and ad-free viewing on my channel. Seven Electron. Should seasonal weapons be rotated into the Menagerie in September with the next DLC? Well, we don't really know what they're going to do. Bungie seemed to indicate that the Vex offensive weapons were going to come back in some way. And I think that the Sundial weapons are going to stay in the game with the Tower Obelisk. I believe the four planetary obelisks will leave, the Sundial will leave, but if you didn't get one of the guns that you wanted, you'll be able to continue grinding the frames from the obelisk, and you can buy those frames with Fractaline, and you can get Fractaline from the obelisk weeklies. It's it's an internal economy that works. You don't need Sundial, and you don't need the four planetary obelisks. So they're going to remove the actual content. They're going to remove the Sundial. They're going to remove Corridors of Time. But I think they're going to keep the Tower Obelisk there. Because you can't remove the guns from the database. People have them. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? So having the frames and the bounties in the tower isn't going to hurt anything. Fractaline goes away after this season. My theory could be wrong. I just happen to think the Tower Obelisk is staying. If I'm wrong about that, then... I have no idea what their plans are. Luke Smith seemed to indicate that the Vex offensive weapons would come back to the gunsmith later in the season. So like, hey, if you didn't get your Vex offensive weapons, if you didn't get a good subjunctive or whatever, it's going to come back in another place. And they have yet to do that. So I don't know what their plan is. And I think it's going to get really complicated because the, the, the Sundial weapons are, there's a huge, there's a ton of them. So that's a lot of weapons to just suddenly be like, where are they and when are they coming back? 
Zero, uh, you know. If Bungie follows the season pass route in the future, do you think the paid version should have armor ornaments uh, more in the 50 to 60 ranks, closer to the 100 rank? This is just too down into the minutiae. I don't care about this. It just doesn't matter where that stuff is. Everybody's that's buying it's largely going to try to grind to 100, so where it lands doesn't matter that much. <clears throat> Gab Med Black. What about more DLCs like House of Wolves with strikes, PvP map story, vendor, and a new activity, but over time? they This is where I just think people don't remember. They did this in Warmind and Osiris. They did. They did time gate and trickle stuff out. And people hated it. And generally, after about four to five weeks, everyone was done. It was the exact same as it is now. It wasn't any different. The difference was that everybody else was miserable because there was zero trickle there was nothing drip it was just if you after about a month most of the player base was done and we moved on and if you wanted to come back you literally couldn't there was nothing to come back to now there's at least an exotic quest or there's um you know there's the Empyrean Foundation there's Crimson Days there's a new boss you know there's all these things that trickle and you might be like well that's not that substantive but it's a reason to come back it's a reason to play there was no reason to play after like week four or five of a lot of those DLCs Sledge Mama almost after two seasons of having an artifact are the light power gains a healthy choice for progression in destiny I think it should be the only progression it isolates it to that season they can have a maintained difficulty spectrum that you could aspire to every season um, and then if they bring contest modifier it would be the perfect system you'd have a sense of progression and leveling every season you'd have a sense of not being quite strong enough for end game content until you level up and then after you get to that point and you're at or above level of end game content you could have contest modifier as a perpetual challenge for the people that get all the way to the top and nothing's really a challenge for anymore I think it's fine I think gear leveling is just silly and needs to go away artifact leveling is more close to a traditional RPG level where you just play and level up with XP and I think that's better for player progression and better for player experience hardcore's argued for slow leveling and high cost infusion and two weeks into every season they were done they would hit max level and they weren't touched by the pain points it, it was terrible for the rest of the player base TX blue do you think the issue is the drip feed or the lack of content? Personally, I think we need DLC amount of content via drip feed. I really don't think you can look at Escalation Protocol and compare it to Sundial and act like you got something significantly more substantive in Warmind. I just, I don't think that that's, I don't think that's accurate. Um, I don't. Uh, the... <laughs> I think some of this just gets really, really subjective and that's why it gets really, really hard because it's like, well, I didn't like it or I like this more. We think really fondly of Warmind because it did a lot of good things for the game so it's really hard for anybody to say anything negative about it. But the truth is, is if you really compare it, I don't think the substance is that different. I think the difference is they give you a more intentional grind, a more generous grind in, in Season of Dawn and they're better about the trickle. There's more going on. You also have to forget, you, you also can't discount the season pass, all the stuff in there that you can grind for just by playing. Um, and then the ritual weapons, which whether they're good or bad or not is, is up for debate. Right, you may or may not like them. Uh, and then there's, if you're comparing the activities, I don't know. If you're going to be like, oh, well, they brought Mars. I just, I don't know what Mars does for us. It's just another planet to drive around and do pub events on. I, I don't know. Because the new planet is white noise after a week. The campaign's one and done. The strikes, what, two strikes? And those get added to the strike playlist. And a vendor refresh. 
But again, what did vendor refresh do for you? It didn't do anything for me. I There wasn't suddenly some injection of a bunch of great weapons because of a vendor refresh. What weapons did they even add to Vanguard and Crucible? And people complained that there was reskins, wasn't it? Wasn't the, Didn't the Vanguard armor just get reskinned at that point? I can't remember. It's been so long. Two strikes is two more than we got this season. But this is what I mean. This is where I feel like... This is where I feel that people zero in on one thing and they act like the present vacancy is this huge problem. It's like... Okay, there okay, two more can't two more strikes. We don't we didn't get two more strikes this time around. Okay, but I could do the same thing to escalation protocol. I could say, okay, well, how many variants are there in escalation protocol? The boss is the only thing that changes and there's three guns, okay? Compare that to Sundial. Sundial crushes it. Sundial crushes it. Way more variants, way tons of different environments comparatively and way more weapons you see what I'm saying it goes both ways more bosses in EP sure but the bosses were linked to the armor and the armor was linked to a five week long grind where you got one drop each time it, 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 that, wasn't a, that wasn't a good grind the bosses were cool I'll give you that the EP bosses were cool but the experience leading up to it was very samey it was like I'm just in a public space killing ads I'm not doing anything there's no mechanic at least there's mechanics in Sundial. You go into the one, and you gotta, like, slam the balls. And you go into the other, and there's, like, the Hammer of Dawn coming down. And then you go into the other, and you gotta defend the positions. And then you go to the boss fight, and each boss fight is marginally different. The boss fight, sure, you're gonna win every time on that comparison. The EP bosses were cooler than the bosses in Warmind. I'm sorry, than the bosses in Sundial. But the bosses in Sundial have some benefits. I can kind of run whatever I want and try a lot of different builds, because it's not this traditional big boss bake where the boss just stands there like a prop and I don't know I, armor bosses were not linked to the armor armor would just drop in order over five weeks yeah and the bosses rotated on that rotation though I'm pretty sure the five bosses rotated you didn't need it, they didn't come from the boss you're right but the armor I think matched it it was five weeks right it's five bosses five armor pieces I think they matched mm <clears throat> In any, in any case, in any case, you can always run back to Warmind or Osiris and you can find vacancies in the present content delivery and try and act like that's a significant problem. But that just doesn't work because you're trying to take one vacancy and act like, well, that's why the, 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 that's why this structure is bad. And it's like, okay, but they're, they're giving you a more hobbyist weekly experience as opposed to a punctiliar experience. They're not wasting cam- they're not wasting time on campaign missions. They're not wasting time on new new destinations because there's no space for them anyway. You know what I'm saying? Like it's just it's a different time. The structure of the content's different because the player base is behaving differently. Or not differently, the player base is behaving the same way it's always behaved. But back then, you would they would they would time gate everything because basically what they were giving you was, and that's what people complained about anyway. Are we going to try and act like people didn't complain about escalation protocol? I just feel like we're spinning our wheels at this point. People are cherry picking and acting like, oh well, we got this in in Osiris and Warmind, and that is an indictment of the current structure. And you're just cherry picking. I could do the same thing. I could be like, well, there's way more weapons in Sundial, therefore Sundial's better than EP. And it's like, well, come on. You're, I'm just going to an automatic imbalance in comparison of like, well, yeah, if you compare Sundial's loot pool to Escalation Protocol's loot pool, it's a joke. Uh, Sundial's way more. It's way more. 
it just isn't fair. You're never going to make one-to-one comparisons here. So zeroing in on vacancies just always leads to the same conclusion. It's you're trying to put a bunch of paint on an old model that honestly didn't work that well. It's why we don't do it anymore. It's why player-based numbers are healthier now than they were back then. To an extent, but the seasonal model only provides content that's going away. It's taken to paying for... Okay, it does only offer content that goes away, but ask people how fun it is to try to run Escalation Protocol. Ask them. How fun is it to try to run Forges? Goodness gracious, they had to make Forges match made from Orbit and only do one per day because you couldn't get anybody in there. It, it, people cluster away from the old and cluster towards the new. So trying to get people to run the old content has always been hard, so it's not a big deal if it goes away. It th- That's just what we do. And, and it's a technological challenge, so it's a moot point. Like, I, listen, I'm going to be real honest with some of you guys. I'm kind of tired of this. I'm kind of tired of this. You're insisting on a false negative narrative. Play the game or don't. You know? Play the game or don't. You want to dream up this idyllic destiny world of the past? It doesn't exist. You have to cherry pick and isolate individual value points. The game has come extremely far. And if you want to kick dirt in its face, every time you run out of stuff to do, you're getting nowhere. You're getting nowhere. Let's talk about ways to improve what they deliver. Let's talk about, you know what I'm saying? I just, I'm just getting kind of tired of this. I love discussions. I do. I love debates. But I really feel like everyone wants to play this nostalgic, delusional mind trip where Warmind and Osiris and Droughts and D1 were somehow better than where we are now. What are you, what are we even talking about? What are we even talking about? Play the game or don't. Somehow a million people are playing a day. Somehow. And we're not living in your idyllic, nostalgic, rose-tinted world of, of droughts and DLC model. I just... I don't know. I, play it or don't at this point. I want to make the game better. I've criticized p- pieces of it. I want to see elements get better. I do. Whether it's difficulty spectrum or contest modifier or loot pursuit, aspirational content needing loot pursuit. I will get down here in the trenches every single day with you guys and figure out ways to improve the game. I will do that till the cows come home. We've been doing that since D2 launch. I have no problem doing that. But having to combat this bogus, delusional, rose-tinted color glass narrative is, is just killing me. It's killing me. It's so exhausting to have to retread old ground. And I got to remember every jot and tittle and detail of DLCs and what they did, what they didn't do, what guns were worth running, what NPC got a vendor refresh and what one didn't. I, I don't know what you want. It it's, it's 10 bucks and you got stuff to do all the time. And if you run out of stuff to do, I guess take a break and come back later. Simon, do you think Bungie will tweak the season format per year with one season less but three longer with little more to do throughout I don't think they're going to tweak the format no I don't I think every three months just kind of works it's a pretty good rhythm um, and I do think people are always going to hit that point where they kind of take a break and come back I, I, I think more and more people are just kind of saying that like there's there's, 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 there's stuff to do you kind of hit that wall you kind of hit those rhythms and then you kind of come you kind of like go away and come back you know 
there were just there were giant deserts in the old format whether it was d1 or 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 you know in between warmind osiris or after warmind there were giant deserts of nothing and i just think that's why i think player base numbers are stronger now and i also think in general in general i think that it is okay to to hit those ceilings and just be like yep i'm I'm just gonna take a break and not act like it's an indictment of the structure of the content that's delivered sundial's not crap because you grinded it like crazy for a month like the season delivery system isn't bad because you went crazy in december It, it just as we added up the hours just a little bit ago i don't think bungie needs to change the format i think the format's working i just think people are I think people are hitting rhythms and then misappropriating blame. They're like, well, I'm hitting a rhythm where I run out of stuff to do and therefore I have to place blame on something when it could just be, oh, you kind of have to just kind of stop and relax or maybe play less next time. Jinja 300. Been seeing a lot of people saying that they should be adding content to activities in the game already as opposed to adding new activities and getting rid of it. Should Bungie look at doing this or is that too risky? Yeah, Paul Tassie had a whole article about Season of the Reskin. The, the, the way I took this avenue was, if you look at the Season Pass, th- there's, there's a part of it that's free, and there's a part of it that costs money, okay? So they've already structured a season to kind of tell you, you can come and get stuff for $0, or you can come and d- get stuff for, for 10 bucks. I think they could do something very similar. So imagine if in this season they would have said, okay, we've got Sundial. That's the new activity, and that costs money. And we have now repurposed the Osiris Forge and the Infinite Forest. And that is an activity in a place that you're familiar with, but we've repurposed it, and we brought back a lot of those weapons. Instead, Bungie brought back a lot of those weapons, and they shoved them in the obelisks. That's fine. Repurposing those weapons for free and putting them in the obelisks is right in line with what I'm saying. I was always saying, if you're going to repurpose those activities or those loot pools, it has to be free or people are going to flip their lids and be like, why did I pay money for a bunch of reskin content and guns and weapons that I already had? So imagine next season they could do a very similar thing. Here's your new seasonal piece of content. It's going to replace Sundial. And we have revisited Escalation Protocol, dressed it up, changed it a little bit, and all the weapons now have random rolls. And that's free. So you have the free lane and you have the paid lane, just like on the season pass that's on the screen right now. I think it's a disservice to just leave most of the game dormant and derelict. I don't think you can just leave stuff and be like, no, let Blindwell, Escalation Protocol, uh, The Forges, Menagerie. I think all of those, even Reckoning, could always get to this point where like, oh, it's been about a year and a half, repurpose it. It's been about two years, repurpose it. You know what I'm saying? If we get to, we're going to get two years out from Escalation Protocol. Why in the blue frick would you not repurpose it and resurface the guns and reskin the guns or random roll the guns? Like, why not? It's been two years. You can't just leave the game dormant and be like, yeah, it's fine. You know, you can go run Escalation Protocol anytime you want. There's no real reason to. There's another impetus to do this. There's a lot of new light players that could be like, oh, wow, they're kind of dressing up a lot of the game that is is kind of dead right now. Nobody really goes into these places. There's, there's, there's not a lot of people going in and doing them oh wow, they're, they're doing a free update and now there's people running EP. Make Escalation Protocol match made from the freaking orbit, please, because it ruins the public space. You can never hit a public event flag and there's never public events going on around Mars. That would help too. So you, could, you could basically say, here's an activity that's been dressed up. That's good for everybody. That's good for the people that haven't really played it in two years. And it's good for the new light players to be like, oh, this is cool. This has been vacant all this time. 
However, everything I just said, if you repurpose guns, if you repurpose activities, it has to be free or people are going to get freaking ticked. They're going to get ticked. They're going to be like, I paid $10 for EP 2.0, you know? But if you redress it up, you're you're getting capital out of stuff that's already in the game. It's like, it's already there. Blindwell is there. The Forges are there. Reckoning's there. Menagerie's there. When they hit their two-year anniversary, why would you not do something with them? It just makes logical sense. It's like, God, it's been sitting there for two years. Yeah, dress it up. Put some new stuff in there. And make it free. <laughs> TK Lotus. Do you think Destiny attracts a unique type of dedicated borderline entitled player? Bungie offers a fair amount of content every season, but it never seems to satisfy. I've never seen another community that measures content per dollar as meticulously uh, as Destiny fans. (laughs) I mean, this is right in line to what we were just talking about a little bit ago. It it is... um, It is just so weird to me to zoom out and look at all games and pricing structure of digital entertainments and to look at the absolute just freaking bargain that we get in Destiny and for people to cry foul about the Eververse or Bungie being greedy or stingy it's just it it's just bewildering <laughs> like zoom out and look at the gaming culture and community at large and it's like we we get an absolute just bargain it's a bargain it's like when you go to those movie bins at the store and you're like five dollars for this and it's like you you know what i'm saying you would look in that bin and you'd be like oh they got they got dvds for 10 bucks babe and they're like that's nothing but junk in there and you're like well i'm gonna look and you kind of look and you're like what is this oh the whole lord of the rings trilogy extended edition for ten dollars holy moly what a bargain and you'd buy it right that's kind of what destiny is it's this diamond in the ten dollar bin rough it's like ten dollar additions ten dollar additions to games and it's like (laughs) you get so much compared to what so many other games would give you for ten dollars it's like you'd be digging through the pile of steam or anywhere else like let's see what i can get for ten dollars it's unbelievable what we get it's a bargain it's a bargain. The amount of hours is just absurd. So, but again, I think what ends up happening, and I think this is why Bungie probably doesn't get discouraged. Bungie doesn't get discouraged by this. It's a feather in your cap. It's like, man, these people are freaking hooked. <laughs> these people are hooked. They go nuts. Look at the average player base hours in December. My gosh. And now they're all complaining they don't have anything to do. Man, these people have got it bad. Well, that's a feather in your cap. That's better than an apathetic or 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 gone player base, like a, a player base that leaves and gets apathetic. People are freaking hooked. They they can't get enough. That's cr- that's crazy. Think about it. We're five. We are five years in, and people still they still just plug away at this game, and they can't stop. And they get so mad when they run out of stuff. That's actually a sign. It feels weird to say this, but that's actually a sign of health. It's like, you must be having a really good time. (laughs) You must be having a really good time to play that much and to be agitated that you don't have anything else to do. You must be having a really good time. That happens to me. Doesn't that happen to you? You get to the end of a game and you know you're getting near the end of the game and there's there's this weird, there's this weird bittersweet sadness that kind of settles in. You're like, it's almost over. 
it's I'm almost done. The excitement's not, you know, that that those first couple levels, those first couple times I leveled up, those first couple times I put on new armor, the games, it's I'm almost done. There's like this bittersweet moment where you're like, it's almost over. It's like that in a TV series, right? You know, you're like, there's only two episodes left this season. It's, it's oh, we're so close to being done. Like that's a sign that you had a really good experience. And I think that 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 you, that's why people get so upset. You're confusing quantity versus quality. <laughs> the frick I am. No, I'm not. You don't have a five-year franchise that nets almost a million players a day with quantity. There's clearly a qualitative experience that people are having. If they weren't having a quality experience, they wouldn't freaking come back. And they wouldn't beg for more. You know what I'm saying? They're asking for more, so it's got to be pretty good. It's got to be a pretty good experience. They want more. <laughs> come on. People aren't washing their hands of the franchise like, yeah, it's just a bunch of quantitative, bunch of just non... Bleh. That's not what people are doing. They're like, give me more. I want more. I'm not done. I want more of this. I can't stop playing. I mean, that, that that's that's a sign of that's a sign of health. They've got you. You're hooked. You can't stop. You you want more, and no other game feels like this game. Jay says, do you think that the players that burn through the content and get to level 100 within three days and immediately take to the forums and complain about lack of content are a bigger part of the problem? Yeah, this is obviously part of the narrative we've dealt with a lot today. Uh, Paddywhack. Do you think that at the start of uh, year four, Destiny 2, that Bungie needs to start leaving weapons behind going forward? I know this is a touchy subject. I've touched on this in numerous Q&As. This is like when I said Ikelos needed nerfed. This is like when I said Pinnacle Weapons needed to go away. No one wants to admit the truth. (laughs) No one wants to admit the truth. <laughs> they have to prune the, the, the weapon pool. Ikelos needs nerf. No, it doesn't. Shut the frick up, Lono. And it got nerfed. The pinnacle weapons are a problem. need to go away. Shut the frick up, Lono. No, they don't. And, and then they went away. I, this is the same... This is the same ticking time bomb. The, the, this is a needed thing. And I... Eventually, they're going to have to come up with something. Um because it's just going to be such a bloated loot pool so many freaking weapons i uh, i don't know man i don't i don't know how i don't know how you can just keep adding weapons to the weapon pool i feel like i feel like there's a breaking point and and honestly they're doing a good job like osmosis and vorpal and the new and the new uh, grenade launcher and even bastion people hate on bastion but even bastion they're really doing a good job an impressive job about like reinventing and coming up with new things um, cuz you know osmosis and vorpal were were new things to try and experience and the new grenade launcher they're fun now they're not necessarily meta but they're certainly fun and they're certainly new it's the genesis chain effect it's like it doesn't have to be best in class to be fun and memorable and i think people have largely looked to us osmosis and vorpal and the new grenade launcher frame is like a yeah these are kind of these are cool these are new um so i i i would say though that eventually you're just going to run out of road it's a longer road than like the the pinnacle weapon road was so short it's like what are you guys doing you're making best in class weapons you're going to run out of archetypes like that's the best smg uh that's the best grenade launcher uh that's the best scout rifle uh that's the best this that's the best. you're just going to run out of weapons and all of a sudden you're gonna be like yeah we have a bunch of best in class weapons what else are we going to grind for so the pinnacle weapon road was even shorter because they were literally creating god rolls it's like you can't i don't know you got to be careful Vorpal shreds champions. I thought Vorpal only worked on bosses. Champions don't register as a boss, do they? 
In any case, Bungie's, Bungie's done an impressive job with how bloated the loot pool is, actually creating guns that look new, feel new, and have new perks. I think they've actually done a pretty good job, but I also think they've continued to paint themselves into a corner. Champions and elites? Vorpal does more damage against champions and elites because that's not what the that's not what the text says. Has anybody test? Is this from a test video? Did some YouTuber do a test video on Vorpal and come to these conclusions? Because that that's not how the text reads. The text reads guardians in their super and bosses. I don't know. I I want to see I want to see the number crunch on that because if that's the case, then Vorpal's way better than I thought. Um. Grandpa Blackout. How much changes if Forsaken Opulence has Armor 2.0? Uh, wouldn't that have made all those drops and activities far more substantive? Oh, how much would they change if they went back and did all that? I think they're... Oh, vehicles. That's right, and vehicles. Um, yeah, Vorpal does more damage against vehicles. I think they're waiting on this, Grandpa. I, you know, I think they're trying to do this slowly but surely. Um, they brought back a couple of weapons and combing through... I think we're going to have our Age of Triumph this coming summer, summer of 2020. We're going to have our Age of Triumph or a version of it where they will repurpose those old raids, potentially use contest modifier, and repurpose that armor and those guns. It remains to be seen, but I do think they're holding off on this as a as a something for later kind of a thing. I don't feel like they think they need it right now. They might in a couple of months or a couple of seasons, but presently, it doesn't feel like they think, feel like they need it. Jinja 300 says, "Do you think this year Bungie is somewhat co- uh, coasting until the new consoles drop?" I th- th- there's no way for me to really uh, speculate on this. It doesn't feel like they're coasting, uh, but it certainly feels like the next game will probably not land until 2022. To put as much distance between the new console drops, that's a long time. But if people want the next game to be really, really good, um, then they've in a very general sense uh, they, they're going to have to wait <laughs> they're going to have to wait um, oh guys and sure Bob is putting this in chat I forgot to promote this this morning if you want to sign up uh, sign your name if you helped with Corridors of Time you can go to ghostofosiris.com and you can put what you did what your contribution was and you can sign it they're doing like a thing to commemorate all of the contribution from the community so ghostofosiris.com will allow you to sign your name if you helped out with Corridors of Time um, I think that's a pretty ambitious thing for them to do uh, in a pretty cool way uh, you can even put, I think people, some people are putting moral support. Uh, I think some people are actually going and signing it and putting that because certainly that played, I think that did play a part. <laughs> it kept a lot of us going. Uh, TX Blue, do you think it would be good idea if expansion drops were drip fed? I mean, they kind of already did this. I mean, look at Shadowkeep. Shadowkeep had a schedule. Um, they did. So, th- th- this is a question that kind of already has an answer like Shadowkeep was a, was an expansion and they, they had a whole calendar of when things were coming out like the like the dungeon it didn't come out right away it came out later uh, next up says with the season pass over DLC it has brought the FOMO feeling to the game I missed nine months last year came back and could get the same experiences of everyone else but now I feel like I can't miss a portion of a full season because of the content that will miss even though I paid for it I, I don't know why you would pay for content and take nine months off there are better ways to bring the content without FOMO feeling to it? No. It's a live service game. It is, as I said, it is a hobbyist live service action MMO, and the seasonal content structure 
feeds and establishes that identity and to fight against that I believe is to ultimately fight against the identity of destiny FOMO stands for fear of missing out this idea that like oh I wasn't there I couldn't be a part and listen they're not being bashful about this Luke Smith said there are going to be moments where you're like you had to be there and I think that that's okay um I think that that's okay so, what's another live service game that removes content? That's a pointless question, T-Funk. They have been transparent with us that it's a technological restriction and a requirement. So, I don't know what you want them to do. Y- your question presumes that they have an option, and they don't. They have been transparent about that. They don't have an option. This is the, this is the world that we live in. Loot is saying that World of Warcraft literally removes raids. So... We may have our answer, I guess. <laughs> and that's a subscription-based game with dedicated servers? Uh, DN Durkin. Is there any reason to buy Shadowkeep outside of the short campaign? Shadowkeep actually brings a lot, truly. Uh, the Lectern's got great weapons. Um, the dungeon is excellent. The uh, the we- And again, the weapon pool on the Lecterns. The Nightmare Hunts, I think, are fun. I really do. Especially when you go in there with some people and try and synergize at the higher levels to do the time trials. I do. I, I think the Nightmare Hunts are unique content that require a lot of attention, a lot of synergy from a small fire team, not a raid, but just three people. Um... I don't know. I would I would definitely I would definitely say that Shadowkeep is a solid delivery of content with good stuff and good weapons. Good experiences to be had. Um So, De- uh Deja Wu Kid. I like the season pass model, but one thing that I do miss from the DLC is the replayability of the content. Do you think there's a middle ground that can be achieved between both of them no as i just said to t-funk to bring up like well what other games remove content i just think there are technological limitations right now um they have added i just here here's where i i really think people do need to make some comparisons just i just want you to pull this director up okay and then i want you to pull up the d1 director it's just they have put so much in this game it's it's huge it's so big um I mean, just the just the Dreaming City and the Tangled Shore when they added those. I mean, that's just massive. Uh, those are such big areas. There's so much that you can do in the Dreaming City. There's so many things there. Secrets and quests and ascendant challenges. I mean, Dreaming City is so big. Um, and if you remember, like, we got the Dreadnought and then we got the, the Plaguelands. Like, that's what they added in D1. What they've added to this game since vanilla is enormous. It's huge. I know Mercury's small, but Mars, and then the Tangled Shore, and then the Dreaming City, and then the Moon, and not to mention the vanilla planets are way bigger and more substantive than the planets in vanilla D1. This game is enormous. It's just, it's insane to me. And and that's part of the problem, right? Is it's like. They, they can't add anymore. They've, they basically came and told us, listen, this, this game is busting at the seams. So anything we add has to be removed. And I don't think it's hard to see the older engine, the older consoles. It is, come on, this is limited. This is a humongous game. And I, to, to argue that it's not, I mean, I don't even know. It's, and I know Dado has said that there's tons of stuff to do, but none of it matters. And that is true. But you have to consider that they can't they can't do a quantitative dump on the entire game. 
they can go in and piecemeal it and add value back over the game. This is why I said they need to repurpose a lot of the old content because that'd be a great way to, you know, for new light players to have those experiences as well as to like repurpose something that's like two years old. So they can't dump everything on every planet. Now, I do think one of the things I've been saying since the since December of 2017, <laughs> since December of 2017, I have been saying go to the planetary NPCs, give them bounties and give them rank for that season. And now since we have the idea from Ada, give them weapon frames. One weapon frame a season. One. So Devrim would have the old fashioned. Nessus would have the Uriel's gift. Uh, Titan would have the um, that fusion rifle that came back. Io would have one of the guns, right? Now I know that would be like, well, who really cares about that? At the very least, that would make the game feel like there's different pockets of it that are full of things to do if you'd like. Give some purpose of the planets. Give some purpose of the planetary NPCs. I still think NPCs are the ticket to giving them good infrastructure for refresh every single season. If every season every NPC looked like an obelisk, and obviously the most substantive NPCs would be Zavala and Shax, and then maybe Drifter, right? And then all those planets, right? We, uh, we don't want Uriels anymore. We want new stuff. Right, but did you hear what I said, XPZ? As a free update to just make the game feel alive, you would do that to all those NPCs. You can't put brand new weapons and armor at every planet, at every NPC every three months. That's absurd. But they have weapons they could get capital out of. They brought back those weapons. Why not put them in an NPC to make at least the planets feel like they're being somewhat updated? Brick brick wall. Do you think Bungie tried to go the route of WoW uh, and then they realized they could not feed as much content? No, I don't think so. Uh, Ajani, do you know why the gunsmith bounties are so limited? It's just pull scout, bow, sniper, linear rocket. It's linked to the um, the artifact. They're trying to funnel you towards what the artifact's funneling you towards, which is a certain set of weapons. So pull scout, bow... Pull Scout, Bow, Sniper, and Linear Fusion are all on the artifact. And then next season, it'll be the same. Last season, it was the same. It was like all of his bounties funneled you to the weapons that were centered around the artifact. That's why they do it that way. Um, Jizner, or whatever. Uh, How do you feel about them getting rid of Gambit regular and putting... Uh, that loophole to free up the some space in the servers. Well, number one, you can't just start deleting loot pools. Uh, people paid for Drifter, and that would be pretty irritating, I think, for people that either like that content or like that loot. You can't just delete loot. People own those guns. If you delete those guns from the database, then all of a sudden they would disappear from your inventory. That doesn't work. What you could do is delete all the white weapons from the database, because no one can get them anymore, except for the Kvostov. Delete all the green weapons and green armor, all the white armor, all the green armor can be deleted from the game right now. Right? It doesn't it doesn't, you know, it doesn't it doesn't save you. It, they, they, nobody can even get those a drop. He said uh get rid of gambit regular and potting that loot pool to free up some space. I don't know what potting means. I just assumed he meant get rid of all of it to free up some space. They have indicated they're going to free up space by, well not free up space, but they have indicated they're going to go down to just one game mode Gambit or Gambit Prime um, here's the thing, that doesn't free up any space, it's the same maps it's the same It's the same amount of data it's the same audio lines from Drifter if you deleted Gambit tomorrow and you saved Gambit Prime 
the amount of space you're saving is is minuscule because you're not actually deleting any content you're deleting a hopper and game rules there's like logical code in the background that dictate the game rules but it's the same maps it's the same bosses there's a marginal difference between the two like because the one uh, has like the 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 wizards that show up so I don't I don't think that would save a whole lot of space if they're trying to save loot pool room in the database then delete every white item every green item tomorrow it doesn't no, nobody had who cares oh but that would disappear from someone's inventory who gives a frick like why does any of this need to be in the game where is it all uh, leveling all this can be deleted right now none of this drops in the game anymore and I mean you can save one blue set well I, I guess this the blue stuff still drops so ignore the blue stuff as I said white and green white and green that's an entire page of warlock hunter and titan armor an entire page one two three four five six seven seven sets per character of just armor and then you go to weapons and it gets even more ludicrous look at how many guns are over here that aren't needed just in auto rifles two four six oh you gotta save kvasov sorry five auto rifles oh by the way there's doubles let, let this really trip your brain out there's five whites there's there's four greens and a white you can just delete tomorrow because they don't need to be in the game there's no there's no context where they drop anymore there's two refrains there's two sand wasps there's two cuboids and there's two ross lysis the second what the frick why save kvastov because when people start the game now they play that opening mission and they get the kvastov it's part of the new it's part of the new player acquisition funnel <laughs> they could free up that that's just auto rifles by the way you go to scouts and the same thing exists four greens and a white delete them two black tigers two madrugas two tracks lists like why are these guns in here twice there's so many there's so many they could delete that if you're if they're trying to save space in the database for weapons and they're like well we can't really add any more guns we're running out of space dude they could delete those they could delete those tomorrow and no one would give a frick delete all the whites and greens delete the doubles and you're saving a ton of space a ton of space they're probably they're probably already talking about doing it to be honest September of this year they might be like hey just so everybody knows we don't want to cause any alarm here um, if you have any white or green guns in your inventory or arm pieces they will be disappearing in September of 2020 uh, if you have any of these blue items that are doubled and they don't have the new forsaken symbol on the little icon they will be getting replaced with the new the, the newer version it's the the little icon will change because random rolls that's why they're there though yeah you can go back and delete all the static <clears throat> that's fine you don't need them you don't need whites and greens and blues anymore you just get rid of them and get rid of where they drop i know they drop on like adventures and stuff but they don't you don't we don't need them leading doubles won't save much space those models and textures still exist in the database stats for entry yeah but see one day i brought this up i said what they could do with we were talking about legend sundial and I said they could do adept versions of the guns, and it would say adept. It would be another line in the database, and people are like, "You're gonna really start to blow up the database if you start doubling up." I mean, homie, if you comb through every single weapon type that, that's in there and delete all the doubles, do, do we need to add them all up? I mean, now in collections, sure, it might only clean it up, and it might actually have help the database. But you add up all the whites and greens. Just ignore the doubles for a minute. You add up all the whites and greens. It's a junk ton of stuff. A junk ton. 
because each each weapon has four or five each weapon type has four or five so let's just keep it at four okay that's a lot you start adding it all up that is a that is a ton of stuff that could get deleted that isn't needed anymore it's 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 to me it's an easy decision now some of them like grenade launchers and swords have a few less like three or four not as many there's like a couple um yeah there's not nearly as many heavies it's mostly primaries um and secondaries <coughs> it would it would definitely help again the the issue the issue is obviously that they have technological restrictions and we're not going to solve all of Bungie's technological woes in a twitch chat but it certainly could help uh, it's high noon. Do you think a person's life factors into the past and present DLC discussion and how many hours they can play? Probably. Uh, concept. Why not have both? Season pass and one smaller DLC halfway through the calendar. Just offer discount. Woulda, shoulda, coulda conversations aren't worth having. I think the seasonal model's working. It, it, it's strip feed and people play in a hobbyist fashion. So daily, weekly engagement is, 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 is there. Graphics. Do you see our favorites ever coming to D2, Vex, Galley, Fatebringer, or do you think it will be a big draw for D3? Galahorn will likely be the centerpiece um, exotic for September. You just want to write that one down. That's a prediction I've been making for a while. People were like, oh, do you think it's the Galahorn? Galahorn? Anytime, anytime a hidden quest has shown up, people are like, do you think it's the Galahorn? I'm like, no. They're going to use the Galahorn to sell DLC, and it'll probably be the September. You know, Vex and other things, probably no Fatebringer, but Vex, I could see Vex showing up as a hidden quest. But Galley, Galley's going to push DLC sales. They're not going to give that to you for free as like a, you know, a whisper or an outbreak mission. No way. Galley is too, Galley's too strong as a motivator. JWR1. How do you make the seasons as memorable as D1 April update? Are, What? I think you're. Be- are you being tongue in cheek? The April update? Are you serious? That was nothing. That was. That was. That was no. That was not. That was not even close to seasonal level of content. Beth says. So from what I understand, you wouldn't prefer only having forsaken size quantity drop quality drops every year and year and a half as the only main content drops. No, no, no. See, this is where people get confused. This is where people get confused. When people say they want to go back to the DLC model versus the seasonal model, they want to go back to like Warmind Osiris delivery style. Like Dark Below House of Wolves delivery style. Instead of a season every three months, they want a DLC because Forsaken, Shadowkeep, and Taken King are expansions and then DLC is Osiris Warmind. Like they want to go back to that. That's why I think like they're crazy because those DLC deliverables and times were awful and they had massive droughts. Cruxley. Do you think raid layers should come back with bigger loot pools and better replayability? I think all that content needs to repurpose and resurface. Just do it for free so people can't complain about buying a reskin. Dan Papa, do you think Bungie has confirmed that they are revitalizing the static rolled loot based on this season's obelisk loot? I mean, they've made it clear they're open to doing that. They've done it with the forge weapons. They've done it with the old fashioned and the Uriel's gift and some other weapons. They're they're clearly not shy about bringing those guns back. A Coulson, full release content makes me feel like I blew through everything because I played everything. Therefore, I don't mind 
fine having nothing to do because I did it to myself. Time-gated content makes me feel like I'm watching a TV show waiting for the next episode. What's your perspective? I agree with the guy from Blizzard uh, that worked on Diablo's 2.0 loot system that players need to be protected from themselves. This is a preferable system because it's more in line with the live service hobbyist action MMO style game where people are trying to log in week to week, month to month. You're trying to jam everything into one month which is just not line up with the identity of a game that's live service. <clears throat> Excuse me. Vapor. Do you have any input on trials and when it comes back? Um, they need anti-cheat before trials can come back and they need to knock DDoSers off the face of the earth if possible. Uh, Gab. Why don't they use the story missions to create a playlist like the strikes for different loot? Uh, they have... Um, what's it called? What do you mean? They have a, uh, right here, daily heroic story mission. Um, and then you come in and you can pick between the, whoops, and you can pick between these. Now, if you're asking for a playlist that just rotates through all of them, um, they've always kind of done it this way. They hand pick a handful. They did that in D1 too. I think, well, D1 was like one, it's once a day, wasn't it? Gus the Fuss. With the season models being lighter in content, is it fair to expect every September to be Forsaken taking king size? Well, I would say Shadowkeep is pretty indicative of the fact that it's going to be more like Rise of Iron size. Shadowkeep and Rise of Iron are similar in size, and I think that's going to be what we're going to get every September. I really, really don't think you can expect Forsaken and, and, and taking king every September, especially now that they have less bandwidth. They have less people helping them. Um, we were told that High Moon Studios built the Tangled Shore and the Baron fights. I tend to believe that. I do. I feel like the Tangled Shore and the Baron fights have a certain feel that does feel it's bungee, but not. You know, there's something there. There's a there's a fingerprint on that content that feels unique, and um, I would probably take that to the bank. I, they don't have the bandwidth, so I think Shadowkeep Rise of Iron is is more of in line with the size and substance of what we'll get in September. The Muffin is in What's your ideal version of exotic quests as far as length? I'm not answering this because I think all of the different types of exotic quests they've done are fine, whether it's short, long, or hidden like Whisper. I like all of them. I don't have a strong preference. Should Bungie remove all old seasonal content? They can't do that because that was not the stipulations and the understanding when you bought it. That's kind of like pulling the rug out. That's kind of changing the terms of service after the fact. Now, when you buy season content, you know what's happening. You're, you're an informed consumer. They can't go back and do that to Drifter and Black Armory. Uh, ye old hot fudge mines. What the world? Uh, what's your opinion on the Gambit Crucible Vanguard vendors receiving weapon frames like Ada? I've been arguing for that for over a year. I think it would be great. Do you think Old Raids should get Pinnacle Gear, the philosophy that Pinnacle Gear should come from something special? I think Old Raids would be better suited for a resurfacing and re-rolling and a repurposing with Contest Modifier. Grand Champ. Do you think that Activision split from Bungie to go to this new model due to financial staff limitation? I feel like uh, as though uh, a lot of players don't realize Bungie doesn't have the resources they've had in previous years. Yeah, we've addressed that a couple of times today. They just have less bandwidth, so content can't be... Um, what it was before. Luke Smith indicated that in the director's cut as well. It came to pass. What new planet destination would you love to see? Don't have a strong opinion here. I would love to go back to all the classic places from D1. I loved Venus, but it was beautiful. I farmed there a lot. Spirit Bloom in the Ember Caves. Um, and the other locations were good too, but it was still Earth and Mars, and we got Moon. Uh, Skyrim Mage. Thoughts on say the Crucible right now? Too big of a question. It's, you know, there's all sorts of things going on. I Well, hang on. Let's go back. Listen, I 
I responded to a tweet because True Vanguard is saying that the, the the community is in part responsible for the status of the game right now. I happen to think everything he says is right. That to a point, everything he says is right. That players doing nefarious things and stomping and being toxic and elitist uh, and only ever running meta bills and playing for six hours and going on big win streaks. Um, uh, I, I do agree with his premise that those things create a bad environment that shoves other players away. However, I disagree with his overall view. I do not believe those are causes. I believe those are symptoms. I believe players are playing that way, stomping. Sweaty players are hanging out in certain playlists and acting in certain ways. Um, and they're doing that in response to two years of being starved of any place to really hang out. They don't have a context. They don't have trials. They don't have ranked and unranked. They don't have a true ranked area. They don't have an incentive to grind a true ranked area if there even was. There's, there's, there's no playground for the most committed, most skilled PvP players. PvP players, there is no playground. And everything TV highlights in his video are symptoms of that. If you don't give your best, most dedicated, most hardcore PvP players a playground, they're going to do all the things he outlines as problematic. And he's right. That current system, that current environment is driving people from playing. No one wants to play in an environment like that. And there's cheating, there's DDoSing, there's nefarious things going on apparently with matchmaking that people are doing. I don't know what he was... He was highlighting things I hadn't heard of. Okay? Those things need to be restricted. Ultimately, my conclusion is it's good for TV to highlight those things and to bring people's awareness to it, but the impetus lands on Bungie to either restrict the player base from doing nefarious things or incentivize the player base to do things that are different. If you want people to go into different hoppers and be competitive and sweaty and six stack, if you want to incentivize players to change their loadout and not run meta, Bungie has to do that. You can either restrict player behavior or incentivize it. There needs to be a both and tier. You gotta restrict certain behavior because if it's nefarious and bad and, and, and harmful to player experience, um whether or not they're manipulating their their internet speed or anything else like that they need to restrict that behavior and not allow it and they need anti-cheat for frick's sake like that's ground level we need anti-cheat you have a free-to-play game without anti-cheat that's a recipe for disaster so that's restricted that's restrictive and then incentivization needs to be in place there's no incentive there's nowhere for these guys to go you need a true ranked unranked system where the high skilled stack players have an incentive to go crazy and ranked and climb and give them things to aspire to and then they won't always be hanging out in the non the non ranked lower skilled environments they have a reason to climb they have a there there has to be that incentive you could do incentivization to change loadouts T-Funk brought it up today. You could motivate people to change their loadout with weapon specializations that reward you with ornaments or something that, like a, imagine a universal ornament for shotguns or a universal ornament for auto rifles that you don't get until you earn specialization on that weapon. So people are constantly changing their loadouts. Disrupt, disrupt the status quo with incentives. The impetus is on Bungie. The player behavior in the current climate is symptomatic of two years of a starved player base. And it hit a fever pitch in Season of Dawn because the weapon grind for the ritual weapon took an afternoon and they ramped up seemingly. They seemingly ramped up skill-based matchmaking and they seemingly ramped up uh, team 
team balancing. So, nefarious things are happening, and toxicity is happening. And Ryan is correct. That's driving people away, but ultimately, it's it's symptomatic of, of two years of, of what's been going on. Like Triple and 2V said last night, give me true ranked mode, give me cool looking things, not power to chase. That's exactly the point. That's exactly the point. If you don't give a true ranked, unranked environment, you are never going to funnel these players into equilibrium. They will always cluster and dominate and frustrate people and then they leave. If you can if you can if you can motivate super super high level players and dedicated players to hang out in a place where they climb ranks and start to leave people in lower hemispheres alone there's more who can kind of breathe down here my gosh sure they could come down every once in a while to unranked and smack the snot out of you but it would be fewer and far between and if you don't like that you yourself as a lower more average skill player could head over to ranked and exist in an environment that's more your speed a true ranked and unranked system is the answer and everything Ryan highlighted is bad and needs addressed but it's again I, th- I feel it's more symptomatic of a, a a side of the game that feels like it's been ignored for two years largely ignored and given no context to play they took away trials and they gave sweats and hardcore players nothing to do and what did they give them they gave them really really hard go- weapons to grind for pinnacles and then they took that away it's just been a slow, slow chiseling away and a reason to just play the game legit and grind and earn. They took away trials. They took away really long pinnacle grinds like the Not Forgotten, the Luna's How, the Recluse, the Mountaintop. They took all that away. And what you're left with is a bunch of frustrated, sweaty, stomping, toxic people that ultimately need incentivized to either play differently or they need their nefarious behavior restricted. This has been a long time coming. This has been a long time coming. More than likely, that's why people aren't responding too kindly to his video. They're like, really? It's our fault? <laughs> it's our fault? <laughs> we're, we, we're doing this because there's nothing better to do. <laughs> not the cheaters. Not, not the nefarious folks. You know, if you're going to be toxic, sweaty, and elitist, I feel like that's a mood and a vibe that's sort of the result of everything that's been happening. Which is why it all falls, it all falls back on Bungie. And it's unfortunate. It's bad to see the numbers go down. It's sad to see new players and average players feel like they're getting shoved out of the game, which is why it makes Ryan's video important and helpful to be like, you guys are shoving folks out of the game real fast. And to to offer anecdotal evidence to support his premise, I did that in Fortnite. Fortnite's just full of people that do nothing but wear a sweatband and try to be Tifu, and I can't hang with those homies, so I don't play. I win a couple of games, put up some decent stats. After I kill a couple bots, all of a sudden I'm playing against some guy that's way out of my league and beats the snot out of me and then emotes on me. Bye. I don't want to play this game. I'm having fun. I, I can't keep up with this speed. Similar things are happening in Destiny's Crucible. You just you can't keep up with the meta. You can't keep up with those players and then they're going to teabag you and emote on you. You think you're going to spend your spare time doing that? No, and the player base numbers reflect that. And cheating and the nefarious things compound the problem too because then people that might be willing to put up with that don't want to because then they might run into cheaters or people that are DDoSing or people that are doing, you know, lag, um, what's it called? Uh, Throttling their connection. The one running, did I, somebody said I skipped their question. I don't think I did. The one running Orochi. What makes you think that Bastion isn't just a legendary fusion rifle with just a shorter range with a shorter magazine? Um, 
I don't really feel like defending the Bastion. I think it's cool. It sounds cool. It shreds majors. Um, I do think its PVE power probably needs buffed because a rapid fusion can can keep pace with it. But ammo economy might be more effective on it because um, it's kinetic, but it can't get crit damage. And crit damage is generally one of the advantages of a kinetic. It, it can't, yeah, it can't get crit damage. So being a kinetic doesn't benefit it that much. Um, I don't know. The current Crucible was designed by a millennial. Give me a gun to go for. OP, make it easier because people complain they can't get it. And I'm sorry, but what do you want me to do? Play Iron Banner with my friends? Sorry, you play with your monitor off. I'm sure you could stop me at some other game, but I'm not going to play with my monitor off just to make you want to keep playing. Well, generally, that's how people are kind of receiving receiving Ryan's video and that's not necessarily his point he's not wagging his finger in your face and being like stop running meta and stop trying to win it it's a bigger picture than that but I do think that's what people are hearing they're like so I'm not supposed to run meta and go for wins and stack with my buds like what I don't understand am I not supposed to do that I think people are missing his larger overarching point and that's and I and I think to a certain extent that's understandable because like the larger overarching point is that these are all things that are result of two years of slowly chiseling away the playground and the incentive for the hardcore players. It's now gone, so they have nothing better to do. <laughs> like there's nothing there for them. And this is the result of that. They have no playground. Clay Tongs. What are your thoughts on strikes? Lack of intro dialogue, fewer new strikes, no heroic playlist. Uh, you use Zavala, you give him, you give him frames, intentional grind that puts you in the strike playlist. You tie it to Zavala, you tie it to a seasonal rank, you tie it to seasonal rank rewards and suddenly strikes matter again. T-Funk, without outsourcing content, do you think Bungie will fall behind, uh, or try to shrink content delivering? I think the seasons are going to get bigger each time. I think spring will be a little bit bigger than this one. And then summer will be the biggest of all. And then they'll do it again. If they can hit a stride that's that's that they can deliver on, the real question isn't do they need to outsource? The real question is can they maintain this content delivery system while attempting to build the next game? Now, maybe they can set up these systems and then they outsource when they want to start building the next game because other people could come in and pick up the ball and carry this bandwidth rhythm. I don't know. You need you need companies that are familiar with Destiny, though. You would need VV or High Moon or something, because you can't just outsource people to build in the Destiny in the Destiny world. They need to be familiar with all of the tools and the and the engine. Volfer, thoughts on whether titles will disappear with D three? No idea. It'd be nice if they came over. Skyrim, should Iron Banner get an overhaul? The only loot incentive for me right now is enhanced mods. Uh, I don't have a strong opinion on Iron Banner because I don't play it that much. Ye old says, suppose Trials doesn't come back. It is. Do you have a concept idea for an alternative rank mode? No. And Trials is coming back. Saudi King, do you think D2 will need a ton of crap uh, to get like D1 armor emblems? Do you think it needs it? I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, the one running. The What do you think Bungie could have done in the quarter of time puzzle? I thought it was fine. I think people created false narratives, lied about what streamers were doing and saying because they wanted to cut down people's achievements, and Bungie summarized it perfectly on their twa. Bungie wrote a blog post that was a beautiful refutation to the false narrative from people that wanted to chop down the achievement of the community or chop down the event. Uh, they said things like, 
your efforts and accomplishments were truly inspiring. Uh, they said, whether you, what they say here? Whether you submitted screenshots, trans- transcribed puzzle pieces, generated maps, wrote code, worked on the data, or cat wrangled the monumental effort, please take a moment to congratulate yourselves. They also said at the bottom, as a contrast to other puzzles, this puzzle was meant to be experienced by everybody who wanted to be included. It's so strange. That all sounds very familiar to me. That sounds like things that everybody involved were saying all week long. So I thought that was fine. I thought it was good. I definitely don't think that every single time a puzzle like this lands that it's for every single player there's going to be certain pieces of content that you like and don't like that's just the nature of this game not everybody likes Gambit, not everybody likes Crucible not everybody likes puzzles, not everybody likes dungeons not everybody likes raids this was something that they designed, it was cool as they said, as we said, it was the biggest puzzle that they ever had created and it was the most inclusive community wide puzzle they had ever created so all the people that trotted out a false narrative you know, are they are whatever you think that was I I don't know why you would have done that I think there were ulterior motives and I think Bungie cleared that up with their blog post like it was very very clear that it was a well received community event that included tons of people and was impressive when it was completed Salty Rob why was a quarter of time built to include a new strike missed opportunity and a waste of resources to not make some replayable content from quarters of time in my opinion so you're saying why wasn't it not why wasn't it built to include a new strike? This isn't really a question. I don't know. I don't work at Bungie. Go read their blog post if you want insight onto why they designed it and how they designed it. Um, it was something that they said they wanted to do for a long time, and it was built, and then they found a perfect opportunity to execute on it. Uh, to, you know, to tie it to a new strike. Um, I don't know. I I just I don't think that that is. <laughs> I just, these are those woulda, shoulda, coulda questions. Like, should have they done this? What if they would have done this? What if they done that? I just, I don't know. I, it, they, they built something unique and cool that we, we've never experienced before. And I think that's really hard to do five years into the franchise. We've experienced strikes before, you know, we've experienced dungeons and stuff before. So you misunderstood my question. I didn't mean repurposing old content. I meant create new raid layers in context with the rest of the season. They don't have the bandwidth for that. Cruxley, as far as I know, um, when they did raid layers, they did Eater of Worlds, and then Spire was built by um, VV. So if we they only give us Eater of Worlds, that's not very substantive. Eater of Worlds is very thin, very short, and it's got two guns in it. Um, and then when they did Scourge and Crown of Sorrow, Scourge is really good, but again, I don't think they had the bandwidth for it, ultimately. So... It's a bunch of resources used to make that space. Why not make a strike out of it? Yeah, but you're assuming it was a bunch of resources used to make the space. It's generally four, four to five predetermined random rooms with doors. It's very small. It's not, it's nothing compared to a strike. And they did use it in campaign missions. So I, I don't, I don't know. It, it wasn't tons of resources. It's nothing compared to a strike. There are strike entrance rooms that are larger and more substantive than the, the crown of the, the quarters of time rooms. The quarters of time rooms are all shaped the same, roughly the same batch of enemies, and a couple different structural differences, and then four and then four doors. It's, it's, and I love that they reference Cube. I can't believe none of us referenced Cube when we were in there. It's like the movie Cube. Every room is the same but kind of not you know you don't know which room is which and you can go into room you know a b c d and end up in f and then you can go through a b c d f and end up in x like it was it was all over the place it was but essentially it's all the same it's just a bunch of the same rooms an entrance room and the casket room it's not i wouldn't say it's a ton of resources and again it's a unique experience you know, they put all that work into Niobe Labs, and Niobe Labs was one room, not not it was one room with a bunch of different mechanics and a bunch of different bosses. 
you know what I'm saying? Every piece of content's different. Not everything needs to be a strike. Not everything needs to be a dungeon or a whisper quest. Yeah. You know? So, I'm going to let that be the last question. We did have one more, but this went really, really long, and it's going too long. And so we're getting questions at the end that, like, we're just... We're, I'm, I'm Now I'm looping back to questions we had a while ago. So if you're listening to this on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or watching on YouTube, you can always catch me live at saynotorage.com. If you're here live right now, keep hanging out, click follow, turn on notifications. We're having a good time, good discussion, even though there's some disagreement. Uh, as always, if you're listening to this in the other locations, please like, share, and subscribe. <laughs>